Good morning. Welcome into In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. It is a Wednesday morning, and today we're going to be getting an update from Geary County Schools as well as the Mariana Kistler Beach Museum. That'll be a little bit later on. We start, though, with the superintendent of schools in Geary County, USD 475. That is Dr. Reginald Eggleston, who joins us via Zoom. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning. It's good to uh, be with you again, and I uh, hope you've been doing well. I have. Hope uh, Same to you. I know there's been a lot uh, going on here these last few months, and so uh, we're getting closer to uh, the end of the school year. It's kind of uh, hard to believe we're at that point in the year. It has definitely been a full year, I must admit. Uh, I must say that uh, we started off very strong at the beginning of the year. I've had a lot of accomplishments to take place, and um uh, Right now, we are getting ready for end-of-year state assessments. Those have started in the district and uh, hoping that all the hard work that teachers and students have been doing to this point uh, is uh, showcased with the results of the, uh, the assessment. So excited about that. I actually, prior to jumping on here with you, was on a meeting, was in a Zoom with all of my secondary administrators, and that was one of the items we, were, we discussed is... Um, just making sure we have all the uh, protocols, procedures, and uh, the culture and climate conducive so students can do very well on the assessments. All right. Yeah, so important. And uh, it's a time of year. And I I want to get the kind of the, the bad news out of the way first here with you. I know there was some uh, – I've been reading here the last couple of days from some multiple media outlets uh, about there was a big fight or a few fights, I guess, that broke out at Junction City High School last Thursday. I know you've addressed it a little bit here, but uh, just for our listeners' knowledge, uh, kind of what took place and and uh, what uh, the ramifications have been for those students. Well, um, we did have a fight, unfortunately, that took place at the high school last week. We had a number of students who were involved, and so we basically have been working with our uh, local police department uh, in order to do an investigation and to administer disciplinary action to those students. Uh, I actually had an opportunity yesterday, I believe, it was to do a Zoom with uh, all of the classrooms at the high school and just set the tone for expectations moving forward. We have some really wonderful students. Uh, unfortunately, there are times when students get distracted, some things occur outside of school and maybe disagreements with a, a peer. and. Uh, Sometimes they don't handle those disagreements the best way. Uh, and so we try to use each one of these as a teachable moment for the remain for the rest of the, the building and, and help students learn how to uh, use conflict resolution skills, how to reach out to the counselors, social workers, administrators in their building in the event that there is a disagreement. And we also tell students, if you see something, if you know something, then say something. Uh, that's kind of a slogan that we have at the high school um, so that adults can intervene and keep events from events similar to last week from occurring. All right. Well, and then I know that safety is always a number one issue here for any administrator. And have you gotten to reassure the the students and the staff there that uh, things will be safe going forward? Well, we have, and safety is not just the superintendent making a speech. Safety mm -hmm. is everybody's duty and responsibility. Um, I'm in and out of the, the high school probably three or four times every week, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do is build a community. 
so that everyone is part of the community and feels like they have a voice in it. And by empowering students uh, to share and to inform the adults who are there overseeing the building, it helps us intervene. And so that's what we're really trying to do is empower our students uh, because these are going to be the future leaders of tomorrow. And if they don't learn problem solving skills, conflict, re conflict resolution skills today, what can we expect out of them 10, 12, 15 years from now? So we have to use these education settings, not just for teaching the academics, but also teaching the social and emotional skills that they need in order to be successful. Gotcha. Um, as far as uh, extra student resource officers, is that a is that on the table at this part, uh, this moment? Well, we already have resource officers there. Okay. Uh, and so uh, we have hall monitors, resource officers. So we have the, the, the full ensemble of personnel in place. Uh, again, uh, nothing is going to stop any incidents from occurring, but we can minimize the number of them and also have an early intervention process. So that's what we're focusing on right now. Okay. Well, I know you've had uh, numerous discussions with parents in the past. Uh, you've had your parent university series, and uh, has that have those touched on issues like this or or other things involved with, you know, the social emotional aspect? Well, what we try to do is we look at um, parent engagement from from multiple levels. Parent engagement actually begins in the classroom and at the school level where every school has a positive, healthy relationship with its stakeholders. And each school conducts several sessions, parent events, where parents feel comfortable coming in and just talking about topics of interest to them. From a district level, we try to hit topics or elaborate on topics that we may have seen uh, some patterns throughout the district. And so uh, Monica, my, uh, Monica Springer, my uh, media and marketing specialist has been conducting um, Zoom sessions for parents on different topics. We actually have a parent committee. Um, that committee helps us develop topics that we feel are of interest uh, to our parents. And we've also conducted a parent university. We had one uh, last semester and we actually have one this Saturday uh, this is perfect timing to talk about that, but we have one this Saturday where we will be covering uh, some topics that we believe are significant to parents. And it's just an opportunity to help them get in front of issues and have really healthy, positive conversations with their students. All right. Well, that good timing for that. And what time will that be on Saturday, the parent university? It's going to be from 9 a.m. to noon at the H.D. Corns building. And so we'll have uh, different um, vendors from around the city. And when I say vendors, agencies from around the city who will have tables and we'll be able to share information with our parents just on different topics. Okay. And we're speaking with Dr. Reginald Eggleston here, the superintendent of schools at uh, USD 475 Geary County. Um, you know, I know there's been some, some shakeups here as far as, and not just your district, but a lot of folks are, Teachers are moving here and there. It's uh, people getting different jobs, other things like that. I know there was a change recently again of leadership at Junction City High School. Are you able to comment on on that matter yet, and, and what's uh, the future for the principal job there? Well, 
Um, the district is always assessing where it is when it comes to personnel and, and making sure that we put people in, in, in the right places. And so that's just part of what we're doing. We will be posting the position for the principalship here pretty soon. It may, I think it's already out there and we'll be looking for a, a strong candidates, individuals who have experience at the secondary level, a proven experience, experience where they have demonstrated uh, academic achievement and strong managerial skills in order to help us uh, continue this, continue, excuse me, the success that we've been experiencing at Junction City High School. So really excited about that. All right. Got a 920 here at News Radio KMAN. We'll uh, step aside. We'll take a break. We'll come back more with Dr. Eggleston here in a moment. USD 475, Geary County. You're listening to News Radio KMAN. Yeah, we're back on In Focus, News Radio KMAN. Talking here today with the superintendent at USD 475, Geary County Schools, Dr. Reginald Eggleston. And uh, we, uh, since we last spoke, Dr. Eggleston, we had some some changes here as far as uh, uh, facilities are concerned. Uh, most recently, you guys had a groundbreaking uh, on post, and uh, that's going to be a really exciting project, it sounds like. It is. Uh, we're going to be building a new uh, elementary school on post. Uh, it's, it's replacing the old Jefferson Elementary School. So about two weeks ago, we had a groundbreaking uh, ceremony. The governor uh, came in and spoke to us. She did a fantastic job. And we had several other dignitaries who, who participated in the event, uh, gave us an opportunity to um, showcase our students, uh, students who attend um, Morris, uh, one of our Morris Elementary School, uh, actually performed and had an opportunity to uh, just really get out there and, and represent the district and their school very well. So very pleased with that and just excited to have this opportunity um, to, to build a new school, serve our men and women in uniform and um, update some of the facilities. That facility was, uh, was, was outdated and it was just time for an upgrade. Was that the, was that the real windy day? Cause I feel like it was windy that day. It was very windy that day. Okay. Unbelievably windy. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was a beautiful day. The sun was out, but it was very windy. You're absolutely right. Okay. We, we've had some bad luck whenever the governor comes out to Manhattan or Junction City. It's always windy, and we get terrible audio. So <laughs> I just I don't know how that keeps happening to us, but that keeps happening. <laughs> um. So that's uh, that, that's exciting, and that'll be uh, ready to go. I guess not not quite in time for next school year, but probably the school year after. Oh, absolutely! And so I was I was saying the students; those were our students from Mars Hill Elementary School who actually performed, did a beautiful job, um, and they were part of the. I think they actually stole the show. Everyone was so uh, impressed with their behavior and their performance. They just did a wonderful job. Awesome. Well, there's also the uh, the former Junction City High School that uh, is no longer in use, and uh, as I understand, that was recently, or, or has been in the process of being sold to the city of Junction City. Yes, we're in the process of going through a demolition with that facility. Uh, we started that process about two weeks ago, and um, excited about the opportunity of providing some future. Uh, opportunity and, and resources for the community. Um, the district and the city 
uh, are working together, collaborating in order to come up with a plan for how services uh, for the community can uh, be developed there. And so uh, a lot more, a lot of conversations still to go, uh, but we're in the early stages of that. And so those are exciting as well. All right. Well, we're looking forward to hearing more about that. I know there's, uh, I think the city has some exciting plans that they're, they're, they've been discussing over there, like possible rec recreational and maybe even a preschool. I think I, I heard at one point, but, uh, or some, something like that. Um, well, there've been a lot of conversations about, uh, the recreation piece, making it a sports center, uh, for the community. Uh, I think that's been uh, a dream or a plan in place for quite some time. Uh, the district did present some information to the Board of Education about an early childhood center there. So just a lot of conversations are happening right now. Still in the early development, I think uh, we're working on uh, MOUs right now, memorandums of understanding, so that as we continue to move, uh, both parties will have access to facilities uh, just so we can enhance um, the lives of our students in our community. All right. Well, as you take a look uh, at the, these last couple of months of the school year here coming up in April and May, I know it's kind of a, a whirlwind here before the end of the, the year, but uh, I imagine you have some activities kind of leading up into the summer and, and next year as well. Kindergarten Roundup, is that coming up pretty soon? Well, we have Kindergarten Roundup. We have Senior Day, Prom, Graduation. We have a number of activities that are uh, that are scheduled, awards day. So it's going to be a full uh, next couple of months as we prepare to end school. We've also started our planning and preparations for summer school. We are hiring teachers to work during the summer months. We're going to have four weeks of summer school. And then some of our schools that have the 21st Century Grant Program will have an extended program and they will do what is called a jump start a week or so prior to the start of school. So a lot of activities are before us as we wrap up the year and start making preparations for the start of next year. You think you'll have some challenges here over the summer getting, uh, you know, with, with the way the job market is? I, I know a lot of schools are kind of struggling with that. Well, I think we're all in the same situation. We're all out there recruiting and trying to um, bring the best and brightest to our districts. Uh, we started about a month and a half ago, uh, maybe two months ago, with uh, making offerings to uh, individuals. Uh, and so my principals are already uh, interviewing and we are taking names to the Board of Education each meeting for approval so we could go ahead and lock these individuals in and welcome, welcome them to the uh, 475 family. Very good. Well, he's Dr. Eggleston, uh, again, the superintendent of schools here at USD 475 Geary County. Is there anything else before we wrap things up you want to highlight? No, just want to thank my staff. They have done a fantastic job weathering the pandemic. Uh, about three weeks ago, we removed the we made the wearing of masks optional. And so uh, that made a lot of people happy. And for those who still have some concerns, they can continue to wear their masks. So uh, I think things are, are getting better uh, from that standpoint. Uh, and so uh, I, we're just excited to, to have a to, to close out the year positively. You know, the term is finished strong. 
and um, looking forward to seeing what our end of year test score re- results will be. So uh, very excited about that. All right. Well, Dr. Aylson, always thank you for uh, joining us here. We'll talk again next month. All right. Take care and thanks so much. All right. Stay tuned. More in focus in a moment here on News Radio KMAN. We're going to update from the Beach Museum and Linda Duke in just a moment. We are back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. Move my microphone over here. We have Linda Duke in studio. She is the director of the Mariana Kistler Beach Museum. And I think it's been a while since we've had you in studio. Good morning. Good to be back. Thank you, Brandon. Absolutely. And, uh, Things have been pretty exciting over the Beach Museum. I guess you guys were closed for a little while during the pandemic, but uh, how, what you've been open for a little while. We opened back up in August, so we've been going full force since then. We have continued to offer a lot of our programming online just because we noticed we were reaching new audiences that way. So we've got our galleries open and some in-person events, but online too. Let me scoot up just a little bit there. The microphones uh, are a little touchy here. They've got to be right up on top. Okay. Uh, well, you, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. The online aspect of the Beach Museum, I think, is fantastic. I've uh, gone on there a few times to look at the exhibits. You guys do the 3D really well. The I don't know how who you guys utilize for that, but it's really done nicely. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that. We uh, got a very generous offer from the Alms Group, a local uh, realty group that has a philanthropic educational mission, and they provided that Matterport 3D tour for us and have offered to keep doing that, and we're so grateful. That's a wonderful added feature to our online exhibitions. Well, it is certainly... a. Uh Nice to see that because you, a lot of those you can go on and it just doesn't quite serve um, the purpose of it doesn't and it will never replace the actual physical space but it does a pretty good job I think it does it does give people a sense of what it would be like and I think if people see it ahead of time it makes them more eager to come they see how cool the the project really is well no question about it you've got some uh, events that are going to be coming up here next week i do want to just give a quick shout out to something going on tomorrow at the beach museum uh involving the riley county historical museum because uh, they're going to have somebody speaking at that thing yeah that's a wonderful partnership that developed between the riley county historical museums board and uh, our museum friends friends of the beach museum of art group They're co-sponsoring and hosting a session where artist, photographer Doug Barrett speaks to the group about his work and and his life and then takes them into the Find Your Voice exhibition of Doug's photographs. So we're really glad that it worked out for our support group to partner with the Riley County support group and uh, host that wonderful artist. Oh, very good. And uh, he's got some great work that's on display, I think, through May, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of visitation to that show. And added to that, he and his frequent collaborator at 400 North Creative, Luke Townsend, another photographer-artist, 
have just recently finished installation of an amazing ceiling mural of photographs in Hale Library on campus. Really? Yeah. So they're kind of the Michelangelo's <laughs> of Manhattan <laughs> right now. Uh, people can <laughs> look up and see these remarkable images above them. And it's in a a room, the Dow Center for Multicultural and Community Studies, so a place for discussion. I'm going to have to go to K-State. Maybe I'll do that later this afternoon. Yeah. I need to check that out. That's cool. Um, well, thank you for telling us about that. I didn't know anything about that. That's cool. Um, looking ahead to next week, and, and the reason you're here today is uh, some uh, public conversations and performances that are going to be happening, and uh, one of them is happening on April 6th. That's right. And um, before I describe that, I just want to say that both the, the events on both April 6th and 7th at McCain Auditorium uh, are related to our exhibition, Gordon Park's Homeward to the Prairie ICOM. That exhibition is on view along with Doug Barrett's show through May 28th at the museum. And from the start of working on that project about Gordon Parks, remarkable Kansas-born artist from Fort Scott, uh, became just an internationally known director, uh, music composer, filmmaker, photographer, artist, poet, uh, really a multi-talented person. Uh, K-State is very honored to have uh, an amazing collection housed at the museum of his photographs chosen and given to the museum by Parks himself in 1973. Uh, so the show really focuses on those photographs that have never been studied, and uh, there will be a free online catalog coming out very soon related to the exhibition. So at any rate, as soon as we started working on that project, we realized that we wanted to do some really stunning things in the community that, that brought this alive for people. And we uh, worked with McCain Auditorium. Todd Holmberg has for a long time wanted an opportunity to bring jazz great Terrence Blanchard to perform at McCain. So indeed, Terrence will be coming. He will be uh, performing a free live concert in McCain with his band, the E Collective, and also accompanied by Turtle Island String Quartet, a group that he's been doing a lot of collaborations with and composing for. So that will be at 7.30 on the evening of Thursday, <coughs> April 7th. But even, or I shouldn't say even more, but just as exciting, the night before, on Wednesday, April 6th, Terrence Blanchard will do an educational residency, meet with high school students, meet with university students, and that evening at 7 o'clock, he will participate in an onstage public conversation with two other really interesting artists. One is Andrew Scott, uh, a multimedia artist who collaborates with Terrence quite often and is based at University of Texas, Dallas. And the other is Kevin Wilmot, known to many people in your audience here, I think, 
um, teaches film studies at KU in Lawrence, was on stage with Spike Lee to receive an Academy Award for the script he co-wrote of Black Klansman. Yeah. Uh, so those three men, Terrence, Andrew, and Kevin, will have a conversation on stage about using art to make our world better, to make our society more just and compassionate. And the link, really, Brandon, is that Early in his career, Gordon Parks wrote a book called A Choice of Weapons. And that book was about his decision to use his artistry to fight racism and bias and uh, improve the world. And all three of these men have cited him as an inspiration. So those are the, the ideas and the connections behind this conversation. Uh, the conversation is free. One doesn't need a ticket to come. The concert the next night is also free. <laughs> Isn't that a treat? Oh, yeah. However, McCain is asking people to get tickets. You can call or get them at the box office. You can call and, and will call them the night of, you know, pick them up there at the night of the concert. But you do need a free ticket. So we're really excited about this coming to our community. And I can't resist mentioning that in addition to Kevin being an Academy Award recipient, Terrence Blanchard has received six Grammy Awards. So this is a pretty star-studded group. The last thing I'll say is that Andrew Scott has been working remotely with a handful of K-State students all year and they have fashioned a really unique virtual stage set for the band's performance uh, using Park's imagery. And that stage set is going to travel to other venues with the band. Um, Matthew Gaynor, the head of the art department at K-State, has been co-mentor for the students on this. And... Personally, I think what a great resume piece for a student to have worked on a professional project that tours the country with a real A-list group of artists. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that, that is a star-studded lineup and really a treat for our, our community here. And, you know, the, the free aspect is great. And I'm sure there's a lot of maybe underwriting or something that helps kind of support that. Yes, we've had a lot of support from the Gordon Parks Foundation itself, from uh, the Dow Multicultural Fund at Hale Library, from the Weary Family Foundation, from the Deal Fund. Uh, we've, we've just really been fortunate to have others see the value of bringing this to our community. Again, uh, those events are happening next week. Wednesday, April 6th is uh, Art Matters Now, Three Artists Reflect. That's at 7 o'clock. And then Thursday, April 7th, the presence of absence, Gordon Parks through an emp empathic lens, uh, 7.30, and that's where the, uh, the the concert will take place. And uh, McCain, I on both days. Uh, and so with the tickets then, you get them through McCain? That's right. Through McCain. They're not available online, unfortunately, but people okay. can call or stop by the box office. I'll only add that the conversation on the 6th uh, will also be available online if someone can't come to the auditorium. I'd like to really encourage people to turn out 
But if you need to watch it remotely, you can go to the museum's website and find a way on the calendar to log on to that. Okay. As far as uh, your Beach Museum hours of operation, what is that right now? Yeah, they're still the same. So we're open from 10 until 5 on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. On Thursdays, we're open 10 until 8 in the evening. And on Saturday, we're open 11 to 4. So closed to the public Sunday and Monday. Okay. It's been a while since I've been out there. I'm going to have to make a, a trip soon. I hope so. Yeah. I need to see that exhibit. I've been dying to see it. I just haven't made time to do it yet. So got got a little bit. I don't think I'm doing anything this weekend, so maybe I'll do it this weekend. Come by. All right. Well, thank you so much, Linda, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Thank you, Brandon. All right, stay tuned. More In Focus continues in a moment. News Radio KMAN. And we're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. We're going to replay you an interview we aired on Friday. Uh, Kelsey Bigelow sat down with uh, Terry Olson and some others talking about uh, the Run for the Roses, which is coming up at the end of April. So we'll play that coming up next. Welcome back to In Focus News Radio KMAN. Kelsey Bigelow filling in for Brandon Peoples this morning. It's Friday, so everybody's got that going for them. Otherwise, now we're joined by the Run for Roses, a whole group of you guys in here, and an exciting event that's coming up. Jenny Andrews, current Garden Board Chair, Scott McElwain, K-State Gardens Director, and Terry Olson, a member of the Run for Roses and a runner yourself, I understand. Exactly. I'm so excited. I, this is my first year on the garden board. And the first meeting I went to, the board decided to put on a 5K race. Nobody on the board had ever run a race, let alone organized a race. And fortunately, I had been involved with the Speedy PD race for over 10 years in organizing that. And so took this project on and I'm having a blast organizing <laughs> it. Got to help design the course, which people are going to love because it goes by all those iconic uh, places on campus that people are fond of. It goes by the Union, Anderson Hall. It goes. Um, it takes a lap through the old football stadium before you finish it. You start and finish at the gardens. It's just a beautiful course, and it's relatively fast. We tried to avoid the steepest hills <laughs> and the sharpest turns, and we had uh, Steve Riley come over and certify our course, USATF certified. So those runners in the five-year increment age groups can qualify for state records on this 5K course uh, and uh, our medals for the first three places is actually a glazed, beautiful purple pot with a rose-shaped succulent plant in it that people can put on their desks. So this is a really fun race. All of the entrants will get a free Run for the Roses t-shirt and a, a participant medal. Those of you that aren't into running, we have a 1K guided garden tour by our Purple Thumb volunteers at K-State, and they will take you around to see where our collections should have our irises in bloom at the time. We've planted some beautiful pansies, and so people can walk around and learn more about the gardens. Speaking of which, since we have Scott and uh, Jenny here today, and I'm the newcomer, they have some big projects that this race will help support. Yeah, let's hand it over to you guys. Hi, thank you for having us this morning. We're excited to be here and share some of the good things that are going on with the gardens. Um, 
I am Jenny Andrews-Streeter, and I'm the president of the Friends of the Garden, and we help promote the gardens, and we help promote volunteerism and also raise funds to help us support our mission. So we do have some exciting projects, and Scott will share some of those now. Yeah, we, you know, it, the Friends Board, uh, Friends of the Gardens, is very supportive of the gardens. Everything is done by donation and gift in kind. So with COVID, you know, we've had to uh, be uh, creative of how we raise funds, and the Friends Group has really stepped up, as well as our garden volunteers, which are the Purple Thumbs. So um, as Jenny mentioned, by promoting those, it's outstanding, all the activities that we do. One of the things that they've been doing the last few years is helping us raise funds for a reflecting pool project. Project. And, um, you know, this this Run for the Roses is going to support some of the efforts that we're doing for the Reflecting Pool Project, as well, as well as some of the other improvements around that site at the gardens. And for those that haven't vi visited the gardens uh, lately, the, there has been a lot of changes over the last couple of years without the big construction projects, but I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised to come and, and see some new things happening in the gardens. And you talk about that Reflecting Pool Project. Just talk a little bit more about what that is for those who might not even know what a reflecting pool is. Just share more about what that project entails. Right. Well, uh, you know, we've had a, a gardens on campus for almost 150 years now. Um, our site that we're at right now is relatively new in, in those terms, but there was a reflecting pool in the old formal rose garden. And so folks that are familiar with campus history uh, may even remember visiting that rose garden and seeing the reflecting pool. So this new reflecting pool is kind of bringing some of the old into the new. It's been on our plans uh, since we moved to this new location, and it's going to have a center reflect uh, reflecting pool, and then it's going to be anchored by two aquatic pools. So it's going to be spectacular. We already have two arbors, so those are going to be the entry points uh, and a lawn area, and we have a perspective uh, sign, uh, a sign up to show the perspective view of what it's going to look like. So as visitors come in, even out in the garden, they can kind of see what what our future is going to be there. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there a certain date or kind of time frame that you guys are looking to maybe finish that project or get rolling on it? Well, we're very hopeful that it's completed by the end of this year, uh, for sure. Uh, we, our goal has always been to try to get it going during the summertime, you know, in between the semesters and have all the bulk of that work done. Um, just with uh, the way the construction companies were trying to uh, get figures on that in a timeline. Get it get it on a construction company schedule right now. So we're working closely with K-State Foundation on that. But uh, I think it's uh, 2022 is looking really good for us. Right. There's always a little bit of fluctuation, a little give here yeah. and there for that yeah. kind of uh, work. When people ask me what a reflecting pool is, I say, think of Forrest Gump when Jenny's in Washington and says, <laughs> Forrest, and comes dashing across the water. That's what it looks like. One of the other things in the long-term plan was eventually improving the rose garden. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a opportunity here just recently to apply for a grant by Evergy. Uh, and we made it from 200 projects to the top 10 f just to improve our uh, Rose Garden of grant of $10,000. But it's determined which three of those 10 win based on how many likes their project gets. So if any of you haven't voted yet on the Evergy grant project on Facebook, please go there and look for our Purple Gardens logo and just hit the 
the like button. You kind of have to scroll down a little bit, but under our picture, hit the like button, please, so that we can make improvements <laughs> to the Rose Garden. Because the gardens are open every day and free to the public. It's a, a wonderful asset for tra- visitors, for people that need a little peace and quiet in their life. And it's just a great place to enjoy nature. Absolutely. Make sure you guys head on over Evergy Facebook page. Is that what you said? That's right. All right. Get your votes in because that'll that'll be something awesome. I promise you a great rose garden if we get that grant. (laughs) There you go. And, you know, you guys are in here talking about the Run for Roses event. You kind of touched on it, but let's just kind of take it back to where it all kind of started for this event. How did you guys come up with this plan to, hey, let's put on a 5K and 1K? I have no idea. Since I just came in at the first meeting, they said well, 5K. I think with COVID, some of our indoor facility events needed to be paused for a little bit. And so some of it was thinking about how throughout COVID, we were able to continue to go to the gardens. It was a safe place. It was outdoors. People felt comfortable. And so I think some of it was thinking about that and just um, just the fun ideas of being outside and walking through the gardens and, and trying to be inclusive with that, especially when we didn't know what the future was going to do, how long K-State campus was closed, how long right. we'd be wearing masks and operating under that. So we're pleased we're relaxing with that a little bit more. But we have that coming up in the end of April, and then we also have our annual garden party early June, June 3rd, and it will be there at the gardens in another outdoor event. So a lot of ways to participate in the public that they can come at different levels, whether it's free or observing or volunteering at our our run. And there's just a lot of things on the website they can collect. Awesome. And how long is this event? Did this start during COVID, this Run for Roses event? Or how long have you guys? Uh, this will be our first This annual. is the first annual. Yes. Okay. Yes. I wanted to say people can go to uh, kstate.edu slash rose-run, or they can find it on Run Sign Up. It's called K-State Run for the Roses to sign up for either the 5K or the 1K. In addition to the individual entries, you can enter as a team to be eligible for some really cool. We'll have a traveling trophy for the fastest team, and there'll be a plaque displayed at Quinlan Center that'll have the fastest sorority team, the fastest fraternity team and the fastest independent team awesome i mean why not run with a group and you guys can all suffer together while you're (laughs) winded up the hill or you can walk (laughs) you can walk and just support the gardens that way there you go but you did say that you guys tried to avoid the hills so we did you don't have to we're not going up lover's lane no (laughs) there you go thank goodness you might get a few more runners just just that pitch alone (laughs) i run it about every sunday it's a great course my favorite on campus and i run it every sunday that's awesome. I mean, it's always nice to get out for a run. I'm a runner myself, so getting out and just, it's kind of a ref- refresher for the mind in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, you talk about how they can get signed up, but what's, uh, is there a certain age limit or can anybody, is anybody allowed to? Anybody can run, but we, do, we don't allow dogs on the course because the gardens are dog free. Uh, and so don't bring your pets to them. It's probably not a very stroller friendly course either because it's a very safe course. It's on sidewalks and that doesn't permit much space to pass. But it, it's just a, like I said, it's a beautiful course. We will start at 9 a.m. on April 30th and we'll have pack up pickups the night before and cost currently it's forty dollars for the 5k and 25 for the uh, the 1k awesome we have just a few more seconds you guys have anything else to add uh just if 
if people can get out and vote on that Evergy grant for us, this is the last day. So that's, that's it'll be a big help to us. And sign up for the race by April 1st to be guaranteed that beautiful orchid sh- t-shirt. There you go. Sign up for your race. Get online and check it out and vote on the Evergy Facebook page. Thank you guys for joining us. Once again, this has been In Focus on News Radio KMAN.